Black Lives Matter is in hot water after coming out in defense of the Cuban regime. And Reuters says these Cuban protesters could be spreading the coronavirus, unlike the BLM protests that happened all last year, right? And drug overdose numbers, they have tragically reached an all-time high. So we've got all that and much more coming up, and it starts right now. Hey there, welcome to the news and why it matters. I'm Hillary Kennedy. Thank you for hanging with me this week. Don't worry, I am just filling in. Sarah's gonna be back next week. But I am super jazzed because today I get to hang out with two individuals who have two of my favorite shows here on the network and just in general, in all of television and radio, mm -hmm. starting with Mr. Stu Begier, host of Stu Does America. Two of my favorite shows too, Hillary. <laughs> Your show and, and, and Mr. Pat's. Pat mm -hmm. Gray, yeah, the host of Pat Gray Unleashed. So glad you're here too. Great to be here. All right, so it wouldn't be a fun day if we didn't start off with a Black Lives Matter story, would it? <laughs> no, so, no, it's a requirement. Uh, they actually have been getting some massive backlash over what is being called deplorable and insane statement that they made on Cuba. So I'm gonna read the statement. It's a little lengthy, but hang in there with me. Um, if you don't know much about Black Lives Matter, it was founded by Marxists and they responded to the crisis in Cuba by blaming the United States for the suffering that the Cuban people have endured at the hands of the island's communist dictatorship. The statement, this comes after pro-democracy demonstrators waved American flags and protested for freedom over the weekend. But Black Lives Matter said, they condemn the U.S. federal government's inhumane treatment of Cubans and urges it to immediately lift the economic embargo. This cruel and inhumane policy instituted with the explicit intention of destabilizing the country and undermining Cubans' right to choose their own government is at the heart of Cuba's current crisis. Since 1962, the United States has forced pain and suffering on the people of Cuba by cutting off food, medicine, and supplies, costing the tiny island nation an estimated $130 billion. Without that money, it is harder for Cuba to acquire medical equipment needed to develop its own COVID-19 vaccines <laughs> and equipment for food production. And this comes in spite of the country's strong medical care and history of lending doctors and nurses to disasters around the world. The people of Cuba are being punished by the U.S. government because the country has maintained its commitment to sovereignty and self-determination. United States leaders have tried to crush this revolution for decades. Cuba has historically demonstrated solidarity with oppressed peoples of African descent from protecting black revolutionaries like Asada Shakur, the group said of one of the FBI's most wanted terrorists. So now we look to President Biden to end the embargo, something Barack Obama called for in 2016. This embargo is a blatant human rights violation and it must come to an end. So apparently it's America's fault that Cuba is in this crisis, isn't it, Stu? Incredible. I mean, this is the type of thing that normally would get an organization or a politician or a person thrown out of polite society. I mean, I, you know, basically saying that it's not the Castro's family's fault for all the disasters that have been going on there all this time. It's our fault. The United States is responsible. And it is really amazing. And I don't know. I mean, Black Lives Matter seems to be the type of organization they're going to do everything they can to defend. But there is a, it's not a well-worn path, but there is a path that some leftists will go down when they go too far. The example I would give is Michael Avenatti, right? Michael Avenatti is the most praised and loved person in the universe. And one day, you know, it wasn't, it didn't start with him shaking Nike down. It's his, his departure from polite society was when he started uh, bringing up fake accusers 
uh, for Kavanaugh. And the left wanted you know, Kavanaugh to, to be guilty. They embraced this initially, and it fell apart so spectacularly, they were burned by it. And I think like a statement like this, to a lesser degree than Avenatti, but it's down the same road, it gets the left feeling embarrassed for all the things they've said to praise uh, Black Lives Matter. Now, I'm not talking about the Joy Reeds of the world who fully agree with that statement. I'm talking about the normal Democrats who are very liberal and can't stand Trump and believe the Democrats are always right. This feels like a step too far for many of them. Uh, I don't think this is enough to, to, to have people reverse themselves on Black Lives Matter, but you do see it occasionally. I mean, you know, Harvey Weinstein was a huge, you know, a huge figure in Democratic politics for years and years and years and years and years, and uh, now he is not. Uh, these things do happen. Usually they take a big, big moment. I don't know if this is a big enough moment, but I think there are some people on the left that are saying, wait a minute, did we, did we embrace these guys too hard? I know everyone was saying that Marxist stuff. We kept saying it was a lie because Republicans were the ones saying it, but maybe they were, they were right. Mm-hmm. Pat, what do you think? I think it's, it, it's time for people like Black Lives Matter to answer for uh, their, their Marxist ideology and, and Bernie Sanders and AOC and all these people who defend Cuba all the time and talk about what a what a great nation it is and how great their health care is and yeah there's not a lot of people going to Cuba for really great health care when when you've got a medical issue who says fly me to Havana right now uh, nobody in their right mind uh, does that including the Castros <laughs> yeah. who went to Canada and New York I think um, but uh, to see them just stuck in the 50s for the last 60 years is just really um, tragic. And to blame America for that, I, th- I, think, I think even um, even Democrats, even normal Democrats can see through that nonsense. Well, it's been interesting to, you know, besides Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. getting a lot of flack, Twitter users are just roasting Reuters over an article titled, Cuban Protests risk exacerbating COVID-19 spike, PAHO, which is the Pan American Health Organization. So uh, they're saying all of these people protesting are raising the risk of COVID-19 because there's already a high amount of cases and because of the contagious Delta variant uh, of the illness. The Reuters piece noted that the Pan American Health Organization uh, and people visiting the country should avoid crowds, utilize masks, wash their hands often, and said that you know they're exacerbating this by protesting. So how does the coronavirus know which protests to spread and which ones to stay away from? Because it seems like no one was really concerned about the spread of this during the Black Lives Matter protests at all. (laughs) That is amazing, isn't it? And also when Joe Biden won, it was fine to go out and Mm -hmm. celebrate Biden's victory. Uh, It was not okay (laughs) to oppose the lockdowns. That was a bad protest. Um, uh, I mean, obviously coronavirus can recognize the politics of a situation and and decides whether it's going to infect people or not. That's the only thing that could possibly explain the science uh, that's out there. You know, it's funny because, you know, the New York Times uh, has reported accurately that there have been uh, zero, zero cases of outdoor transmission of of coronavirus outside of close conversation. Now, this type of crowd can lead to some transmission because you're right next to a person you're screaming right but you know it's almost exclusively an indoor virus as far as transmission goes as we all know by now um and those requests i mean even back in in summer when they were saying well it's okay for black lives matter to go out and do this uh it was questionable then you know like but that was i thought and i said this at the time 
If there isn't a bunch of super spreader events because of these protests, then we're going to know that pretty much anything outside is okay. And I think that's where we've landed, right? We think, you know, mm-hmm. there really, there was some reports and it looked like there was some flare-ups in certain places. I mean, when you're screaming next to each other for, you know, chanting and screaming next to each other, there's going to be some transmission even outside probably, but it's so rare and it's such a small piece of this, right? COVID-19 is not the reason they're protesting. They've been under the thumb of dictator after dictator, now three, um, for, you know, since 1962. Uh, and uh, this is, uh, they're protesting that. Other countries can react to COVID-19. Free countries can react to COVID-19. It's not because of us, one country, um, with an embargo, uh, or a boycott, more accurately. Uh, it, uh, it's, it's, they have the whole world to deal with if they want to. This regime and the previous regimes before it have destroyed the country and destroyed the people's chance to flourish. And that's why we should be much more active in cheering on what these people are doing, because without us helping them, what's going to happen? They're going to wind up in a dungeon or in a ditch. Pat, do you think that they're more concerned about getting COVID-19 or about the threat of living under communism? (laughs) Uh, obviously, I, I think they're concerned about living under communism. Um, I, I, they've been oppressed for so long that um, you, you got you got to feel bad for the Cuban people because the Cuban people weren't the government. And, you know, our, our issue was never with the Cuban people. It's surprising, you know, as good friends, as close friends as they are with Russia and, and previously the Soviet Union, why aren't they thriving? You know, because there's another communist regime that has been their close ally and has been there to bolster them all through our boycotts and embargoes and still they're not doing well uh that should tell you something about communism yeah well superstar pitbull he has just been blasting people for not understanding why cubans are protesting about freedom and human rights he Mm -hmm. called on the world to help them out we've got a clip take a listen and it frustrates me to a certain extent being a cuban-american and having a platform to speak to the world and not being able to help my own people, not being able to get them food, not being able to get them water, not being able to get them medicine, but most of all, not being able to help and really get them what they deserve, which is freedom. We need to figure out how to really help. We need to get creative. We need to figure out solutions while they're losing their lives over there literally for something that we wake up every day and appreciate, which is freedom. So to everybody out there, stand up, step up, and if you don't understand, get with the mother program and wake up. It's interesting. He also called on Jeff Bezos, who's also Cuban-American, who he said built one of the biggest companies in the world, uh, Amazon, and is one of the richest men in the world. He called on him to stand up, say something, do something. Um, Do you think the Biden administration is going to care if celebrities start to speak up about this, because they've been mobilizing celebrities quite a bit recently with the COVID-19 vaccine. Do you think they're going to care if celebrities are speaking up about this particular instance? Either <laughs> of you? No. Well, I, I doubt it. Uh, they, you know, it's nice to see Mr. 305, Mr. Worldwide, uh, speaking up, uh, Pitbull. <laughs> uh, I, I think that's actually awesome. I mean, you know, like it is, it is important, you know, to, to, I do think that that type of stuff does reach people who don't pay attention to this stuff, you know, and this is why what the NBA did with Hong Kong was so disappointing and and troublesome. I mean, they, you know, with a chance to shine light on an obvious, uh, an obvious choice 
should the people of Hong Kong have freedom from China, as was promised to them. Uh, you know, you had LeBron James out there saying, uh, well, you know, don't get in the way of China and, and, and what they want to do. You might hurt people. Yeah, well, you know, a lot of people got hurt because of what happened in Hong Kong. China, uh, Cuba's the same thing. Uh, for a very long time, this has been a situation that has been a cause on the you know, um, AOC version of the left from, you know, the AOC, the Maxine Waters sort of version of that left uh, that have embraced uh, Cuba, have embraced Fidel Castro, have embraced this entire regime and way to run your government. And, you know, look, at it's not going to convince me. I'm not going to change my mind because of um, what my friend Mr. 305 says. Uh, <laughs> but I will say that, you know, he does reach a lot of people. And, and it's, it's, good, it's good that people have the balls to stand up for this because, you know, freedom is, this shouldn't, this used to not be a partisan issue. To, to oppose Fidel Castro, Raul Castro, the, the band of, of dictators that have run that country for all this time, that used to be something that you could get a moderate Democrat to stand up for, um, not just one from Miami, you know what I mean? Someone from from, from all over the country. This, there's only a, a few flakes out there that would stand with him. And I think that's changed a lot. So I'm, I'm happy to see him speak out. I'm such a big Pitbull fan. I'm all over it. I Really? Yeah. Mr. Bull's uh, music has been a big part of my life. And, uh, <laughs> Mr. Bull? Mr. Bull. I thought for sure when I was walking by your office earlier that I that saw Pitbull you and they're kind of jamming out. Yeah. out to yeah. yeah. I thought that was Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can always tell it's my office when you're hearing that thumping yeah. of Mr. Bull because uh, he's really good. Love him. Okay, I, I, I wouldn't have guessed, but yeah, you seem yeah, yeah. really familiar with it. Yeah, yeah. well, awesome. I mean, whenever I want to know something it's about awesome. pop culture, I go straight to Pat. Yeah, because, right? I mean, he's, right. he's got his finger on the pulse. I mean, to be fair, though, he's really, I think, discovered Mr. Bull from Kesha. He just listens to so much Kesha that he's come across, <laughs> and they, they did the duet together, True. and that's how it really started. Yeah. I, Before that, I listened to a lot of Ricky Ricardo, so yeah, I'm big into the Cuban-American music. Yeah. Uh, so well, Maybe yeah. didn't help your cause all that much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we only have one minute. I just want to get your take on this really quick. The FCC mm. commissioner lauded DeSantis, uh, Governor DeSantis, for pushing Biden to give the Internet to Cuba and saying, you know, American businesses can make sure that they have Internet access immediately. Why don't we do this? I would love your thoughts on that real quickly. You can say a lot of things about DeSantis, and I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan. I, I think he's done a good job, but he's very well tuned into what is happening. You know what I mean? Like, as per, just speaking politically as a candidate, he knows the issues his base cares about. It's a great freaking idea. Get them the Internet so they can get that message out of there. They're shutting it down all over Cuba. We've got a freaking base on the damn island. Let's make sure that they have Internet any way we can get it to them. That's really important. It could be a way that they could tell these stories and get people talking about it and hopefully, you know, make something happen here. Uh, it doesn't seem like we're going to do much of anything except, I mean, Biden, I was excited to see Biden even give a halfway decent statement after they gave multiple crappy ones. Uh, that's about all we're going to get out of this administration, though. What do you think the implication would be if we did stand up for the Cuban people and provide them with Internet? Um, I, the Internet today is kind of like the radio free Europe of, you know, the 50s and 60s when we're trying to get I, I think uh, I think it's really valuable. I hope they take this opportunity. It's a great one. All right. got to go to break. We're coming right back and we're going to be talking about the Biden administration and their love for celebrities and the COVID-19 vaccine. Stick around. Without the Cuban uh, internet, how would they stream our show? The Biden administration has a secret weapon to try and help get young people vaccinated. It's so exciting. It's Disney actress and singer Olivia Rodrigo. 
this will work. She's a recording artist. Uh, she's starring in the latest high school musical reboot. And so she met with President Biden and Dr. Anthony, Anthony Fauci as part of their efforts to promote the vaccine and also help with the hesitancy that they are experiencing. She did a joint presser with House, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki saying, I'm beyond humbled and honored to be here today to help spread the message about the importance of youth vaccination. I am in awe of the work President Biden and Dr. Fauci have done and was happy to help lend my support. And then she tweeted out, you know, find a vaccination center near you. It's easy, it's free, and so important. So she's just the latest star to kind of help the administration push the vaccine. There's also been Dolly Parton, Whoopi Goldberg, Christy Brinkley, just to name a few. Does it really seem necessary to bring in Olivia to help push the vaccine? I don't know. What do you think, Pat? I, I don't think it's necessary for... Um the well it depends on your age but I, I i'm a little confused by the effort to get young people vaccinated they they have they're low risk um i know that they're trying to push this delta variant thing and saying that the youth are, are getting that in bigger numbers but if it were me i probably um well and i've encouraged um my kids to uh not get the vaccine because they're young they're healthy. They don't have uh, they they don't have contributing factors, and there's there's of course Stu's going to tell you there are no risks or very few. There are very few risks. <laughs> Pretty much what I would tell that's, you. That's yes. what he's going to tell you. Uh, I mean, I, I'm uh, I think children are much more. You know, you're 12 to 17. Or there's only one. Uh, vaccine that's even approved for them, which is the Pfizer. Uh, you know, it's a much, much closer call, uh, you know, for some than someone who's like elderly, right? I mean, like you're someone that mm -hmm. elderly, I think it's blatantly obvious you should get it. And most of them have. Yeah, Almost about 90%. all of the yeah. most vulnerable among us already have. About 90% over six, 65 years old have already got the shot. So again, yeah. like this is, the, the arguments for uh, childhood transmission, just to make them, is, is just to break the chain of transmission, right? So that they, it's not about them getting it, it's about them getting it and passing it to someone mm -hmm. who might be more vulnerable. Which I understand. But and also, if the more vulnerable already have the shot, you shouldn't have to worry. You don't about have it. to worry about it. You shouldn't have to right? worry about it. Um, there, I mean, there. You know, again, there. This is getting into very small numbers here, but there are people who are uh, are vulnerable and have immune deficiency problems and are ineligible to get the shot. So, I mean, there are some people in that category. You can't base a societal policy on it. The other part is to get to whatever herd immunity might be, you're going to need a bunch of children to do it. Um, you're not going to be able to get, even if you got every single adult uh, vaccinated, you're not going to probably get to herd immunity. So, I mean, that's what they're thinking. I don't, I don't, it's funny because there was a story that came out the other day um, it was about uh, Frank Luntz, uh, you know, the, the famous Republican pollster, who's who's always helped with messaging, mainly Republican um, administrations. And I guess he was offering advice to the to the Biden administration, saying like, "Look, I, you know, let me. You guys are terrible messaging to conservatives. Let me at least try to help you." Um, and uh, what he what the 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 article talked about was that the Biden administration early on, this was their policy, bring a bunch of celebrities out there and say that they're getting it, get their vaccine selfies and everyone will want to impersonate the celebrities. Like they, f they found out very quickly as, and Luntz's research backed it up, which was, hey, that's not how you get people vaccinated. No. You know how you get people vaccinated? You go in and someone that they trust, usually their doctor, says hey by the way did you get that vaccine yet they're like eh, i don't know should i i've heard some bad things actually no we think it's pretty safe and i think you know judging you know i know your health judging with your profile you probably should get it that's how people will actually get and it one if step if further, they're borderline 
give the vaccine to our doctors. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Why don't you get the, the, the doctor the vaccine so he can give it to us? Yeah, in the because, office at that time when yeah. you're ready to do it. Now, if he, because if he suggests it, you're going to go out, you're going to hear other things from other people, and you may not get the vaccine. It, it makes so much sense to have the doctors have it available. If you really want to get people vaccinated, that's right. what you should be doing. Make but they're not doing them. that. Yeah, make it easy for them. You don't need an 18-year-old uh, you know, pop star to come out. And I mean, I, again, maybe you are convincing some 16-year-olds to go out and do it. And I, I don't know. I don't know if there's much value in it. But uh, this was a policy that their own research has shown doesn't work. work. And yet they still continue to Keep do it. Keep trying it. Is it possible that Joe Biden just wanted to sniff her hair? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> Yes. I, I think that the is vaccine. the most likely That's answer, likely. actually. Yeah. Well, Joy Behar on The View, of course, you know, she doesn't keep silent on most things. And she's saying teenagers should be permitted to get the COVID-19 vaccine, even if their ignorant parents don't give consent for it. We have a clip. Take a listen. Mm. We like to think we're smarter than our kids, but a lot of times the kids are smarter than their parents. I mean, I've experienced Mm -hmm. my daughter as having more sense than I had in various times in my life. Mm -hmm. So I would give them more credit. And, you know, when you when they watch these kids are watching a room full of people at that CPAC convention applauding the fact that Biden is not going to reach his vaccination goal. They're applauding the freedom to get sick and die. They're watching their parents parents um, do be, behave really stupidly, in my opinion. And I think that these kids uh, should be allowed to make their own decisions, frankly. Okay, thoughts on Joy's statement. Nobody knows ignorant better than Joy Behar. <laughs> Nobody. Uh, she, she's, first of all, she's the worst named person on the face of this planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no joy in Joy. Uh, <laughs> she's just nasty. And I can't I can't listen to really anything she says. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, good. That's a fair analysis. She's just butt stupid. Yeah, she can is. We just, yeah. Can we just say it like it is? She's, she's butt stupid. And uh, for her to be calling out parents of people who, you know, care about their children far more than she cares about anything um, is despicable. And uh, I... I don't even know how she's on television anymore. I, really <laughs> I think don't. it's just she's just so hot. You is know? that what she's it is? So camera it's friendly. the hotness that's yeah, coming I through. Think that's kind yeah. of what it is. You know, she look. You know, as I, we were just talking about, I'm very, I'm very pro Operation Warp Speed. I think it was a big change in this thing. I think it's helped a lot. I'm probably America's biggest <clears throat> vaccine cheerleader outside of President Trump. Um, so I like the. I, I'm a I'm pro vaccines. That being said. There is not there is no reason to overrun parental rights in a situation where the risk profile is this low for these children like this law in Tennessee, in my view, which is the one she was probably Mm -hmm. talking about, which allows 14 to 17 year olds to get medical treatment if they're even if their parents don't um, aren't aware of it. It's been around for a long time. Really what it's targeted at is, you know, let's say, uh, you know, something to the effect of uh, cancer. Right. Like if there's a cancer treatment and you have a par- parents that are like, look, we are against cancer treatment. There are those people out there. Right. That mm-hmm. just don't want any of that stuff done for any reason, any illness. And the kids have a little bit of, of, of rights to be able to go and say, look, I really want to get these these treatments. I don't want to die. Um, this is not what the COVID-19 uh, issue is for children. Really, what we're talking about here is more of a risk of passing it. Uh, or maybe a long-term herd immunity issue. The fact that a kid wants to go get a treatment that their parents don't approve of, even if I happen to disagree with, with the parent on that one, it's not my decision. It's their kid, not my kid, not Joy's kid. 
luckily for them, not Joy's kid. Uh, so <laughs> I, really, I, I think you have to put parental rights at the top of this pyramid here because it's really important they get maintained. I agree. Well, I think this is a really interesting story. We don't have a ton of time to talk about it, but if you are in Long Beach, California, they are giving you a new incentive to get vaccinated because if you are age 21 and older and you get inoculated at an upcoming pop-up clinic, you'll receive a token that is redeemable for one pre-rolled marijuana joint. Yes, there we go. To Finally. encourage one. equitable distribution of the COVID vaccine. It's called Joints for Jabs, LBC. It aims to promote safe practices for Long Beach residents to light up this summer. Okay, so in case you're curious, this will take place Saturday, July 24th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Houghton Park. The vaccinations and redeemable tokens will be provided to only the first 150 residents. Uh, no cannabis will actually be at the vaccination site, so don't go uh, looking for a joint there. They're going to give mm. you a token. Um, children and young adults ages 12 to 20 can get shots there, but you will not be getting any marijuana cigarettes, as it were. So uh, they're going to be administering these shots, trying to get people from the area that they feel like have heard misinformation or maybe just haven't been that excited about getting the vaccine. They're trying to really encourage them by giving them a freebie. <laughs> First one's always free, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> but it's very interesting. If the majority of the L.A. area are Democrats, it's interesting that they're having to incentivize people with yeah. something like this, right? I mean, it really, though, it's not. I mean, anti-vaccine people, you know, look, there's groups of people that are just not interested in, they don't go to the doctors that often, they're not very they're not very connected to the healthcare system, they might think it costs money. There's lots of reasons why pe people, a lot of people just put stuff off until they actually go to their doctor. There's that group of, like, anti-vaccine people who, you know, there's a decent amount of them out there, but that's, over time, has been very split between left and right. I mean, I, I told this story before, but I went to, a, 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 we, we were at one of these Super Bowls that we go to and uh, there was a there was a party we you know we always worm our way into these parties and uh, one of them was held was um, hosted by Jenny McCarthy and uh, Jim Carrey and it was it was nobody more anti-vax than they knew but I mean and they are not right-wingers Robert no. F Kennedy jr. Bro. is not a right-winger sure. um, these are people who are hardcore left-wing this is you know it's very tied into that sort of new age sort of uh, naturalist thinking mm -hmm. um, and so uh, it's very le a lot of left-wing people um, with Biden winning a lot of more right-wing people I mean when you when Trump was in office it was Kamala Harris saying she wasn't going to take the vaccine for whatever reason. So, you know, this goes back and forth. I, I, I don't know that you're going to get any, anything significant out of bribing people with drugs, though. I don't think that's going to be <laughs> no. the way. It seemed like a good idea. I feel like either. cash is just a better idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't yeah. It? Uh, Pay people. There you go. <laughs> we got to go to break. We'll be back in just a minute. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I, a lot of people aren't anti-vax. They're anti -vax. So Baltimore City Schools, this is a sad statistic, actually. 41% of the high school students there earn below a 1.0 GPA. Oof. Very alarming. Uh, during the first three quarters of this year, nearly half of high school students in their city schools earned a grade point average below a D. Mm. Mm. So the, the chart that they were going by showed the average GPA for every high school grade in the city, freshman through senior. So nearly half of the 20,500 public high school students in Baltimore earned less than a D. This is really sad. They learned that the failure rate for students nearly doubled during the COVID shutdown. Shocking. A few mm -hmm. months later in May, 
they announced students would not be held back for failing classes. So the most recent GPA data could indicate why they made that decision. <laughs> um, but before COVID hit, 24% of high school students had a GPA below 1.0. But now it's 41%. That's a huge mm. jump. So these numbers are pretty scary, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Uh, it's interesting because we lived in Baltimore for two years um, when my kids were young. And that's the place we decided to start homeschooling. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it's only gone downhill since we were there. Uh, mm. But it's really sad. And, and you know that COVID has made this a, a much worse problem. It's really tough to expect them to have the same kind of uh, education online for the last year as they would have gotten in person with people, you know, really supervising them and going over their work and helping to inspire them. And uh, so it's it's not too surprising that things have gotten worse in the last year. Stu, so do you think that these kids will eventually recover or do you think this damage is just, it's going to have some really long-term effects? Well, uh, first of all, I like how they worded it there with the uh, less than a D, which what does that mean? A, T minus or T minus or F? Like I, <laughs> you could have just said, yeah. Uh, but I, I think um, no. I think generally speaking, the answer to this is no. They will not recover. Um, you know, there's a, the Malcolm Gladwell book that came out. You know, many, was a tipping point many years ago. Very <clears> famous <throat> book. And one of the chapters in there is about how why. In the, in the way they structure it, it's rich kids and poor kids, basically. And it's like, why do rich kids do better over the long term than poorer kids? And what they found is that during the school year, they progress at almost exactly the same rates. But then when it gets to summer, uh, basically what happens is the rich parents wind up putting their kids in camps and have their kids doing things and they make them read and they make them, uh, you know, do all the things they're supposed to do. And poor kids largely, you know, sit them in front of the TV and maybe they go outside and play a little bit. Um, and so the, each year, the rich kids slightly outpace during the summer and over 18 years, it's a big, big difference. So mm -hmm. think about that taken out of what and I'll, I'll say it right now, my kids went through over the past year, which was they went to school on August 13th of 2020 and missed no days other than when we had coronavirus. Um, they did, wow. There was no cancellations. There was no, their, their school was held out. Their, their class was never held out. There were, there were bits and pieces. Occasionally someone might test positive here and there, but that was, it was pretty minor. How many people um, in your family died though because of COVID-19? Uh, well, in, in my direct household, All none. but the, <laughs> like four of you, right? Yeah, no, Everybody no. else is gone. Well, it's the only people who live there, so <laughs> that's luckily. Um, but you know, I mean, it, like it, that school experience, um, what compare that to the someone who difference. lived in New York for the last year, mm -hmm. yes. who sat at home and, and was trying to do Zoom calls that probably didn't work half the time. Yep. There's no way my kids didn't outpace uh, what, what that was happening to them. And that's not fair. I mean, it's, it's not, not right. Um, and it was, you know, largely a function of the government and the teachers unions yep. working together to thwart an entire years of a, a year of education. And now what you're saying here is true, because I remember this in 2020. When we were coming to the end of that year, at the end of that year in March and April, obviously the end of that year, everybody was held out, even my kids. And so, because they, they go to a you know Christian school. And towards the end of that, I remember thinking to myself, like, this is, what's this going to happen? There's no way they're going to fail my kid. I mean, they, they're trying to do these Zoom, like, who cares? It's almost like, imagine if you're a 14-year-old and you're going, you know you're not going to fail. They advance you an extra grade without teaching you the stuff you need to pass. This is a terrible structure, and it's going to have long-term, yeah. like, to America type of strategy uh, differences over the time, over and a long period of time. And are we ever going to wake up to the problem 
at hand with cities like Baltimore. Who runs cities like Baltimore? Democrats. Every single time you hear a story like this, it's in a city like Baltimore that's run by Democrats. You're going to have to do something different or they're not going to recover. Right. Well, another sobering statistic that came out of COVID, tens of thousands more people died from drug overdose in 2020 than ever before. Those numbers skyrocketed by nearly 30% last year. So the Centers for D Disease Control and Prevention, they released preliminary counts for drug overdose deaths yesterday, and they showed that the, the number of people who died last year shot up 93,000 331 people from 72,000 deaths in 2019. Fentanyl, mm. a synthetic opioid, it's the leading cause of drug overdose deaths, accounting for nearly two-thirds of those overdose, overdose deaths in 2020. And I just don't understand why the White House isn't talking about these numbers as much as they're talking about the vaccine numbers, because this is, I mean, this is a major problem. They don't care. They don't, they don't care. In fact... Hey, let's get people started on their drug experience with a free joint to come down and get jabbed. Exactly. That's a good idea, <laughs> right? True. Gateway drug. Asinine. Here you go. Yeah. yeah. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. I, it's yeah, it's it's funny because you look at what happened over the COVID and, and conservatives have made this argument a lot that the lockdowns would lead to all these terrible sort of side effects and you know, it's interesting to see that like the suicide one doesn't seem to have showed up in the data. Like there wasn't I, I totally believe there'd be more suicides mm -hmm. uh, because of covid. And we haven't really seen that in the data where we have seen it is in drugs and, mm -hmm. and alcohol. And it's been a terrible side effect in, instead of killing. Them, it, yeah, right? instead, instead of killing themselves, they drug themselves. And yeah. uh, there's a narrative there that is uh, unfortunately has really, really bad results. This was a massive problem. If you remember back on patents, too. We did a, a bit with Jeffy where we made Jeffy guess the numbers on a chart because we knew he'd guess them wrong. And remember we did it with with opioid and it's yeah, it, it, it blows away like what you think of, like the crack epidemic of the 80s and all these other past drug battles. This is a, a horrific time for this types of thing, this type of thing. And it's what up 20, 30 percent um, in just opioid uh, deaths mm -hmm. just in the and last year. It seemed like. President Trump cared a lot more about this than Biden does. He talked about it. He yeah. appointed a, a special group, a committee to to look into it and study ways that, you know, we can um, help lower those numbers. Mm -hmm. um, and it's 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 amazing to me that the Biden administration hasn't done anything. Do you think that we'll come back down from these numbers now that things are opening up? I think what scares me is all of this chatter about the Delta variant and how we may have to go back to doing mm. lockdowns and all of that stuff. You know, because I yeah. have a friend that lives in Australia mm. and they just keep locking down and locking yeah. down over and over and over and they'll, they'll be free for a week and then they'll lock back down. Jeez. And he said it's been horribly depressing yeah. because they just never know when it's going to end. I don't think that's going to happen here uh, again. Um, now, you never know with this type of thing, obviously, if something really terrible happens. But like we do have have a very good uh we, our most vulnerable are vaccinated here already mm -hmm. basically and we're at 90 percent 90 percent and what is the percentage of every of it's isn't it almost 70 now yeah about 69 uh, adults with adults. One, at least one shot 68 or 69 percent now everyone it's makes fun high. of biden which you know again I, I i jump on that bandwagon often but again his goal was 70 percent and i think he got to 68 i mean like it was it's really not that big of a virtually difference there virtually there and that's not because of biden it's because of trump these mm -hmm. vaccines being successful and, you know, his rollout, Trump's strategy to roll out the vaccines worked really well. Uh, so we're we're so far along on this. I don't think we'll get back there. I can tell you this. 
red states with a bunch of governors that want to run for president are not going to be locking down again. So, I mean, you might see it in New York. Mm -hmm. You might see it in California. It's possible. But, I mean, if you live in a red state, I think you're pretty clear. Yeah. We got to go to break. When we come back, though, we're going to talk about the NFL and the social justice messages that you might be seeing on the field this oh, year. Oh, good. So stay Yay. tuned for oh, that. I can't wait to see. watch. <laughs> Ruin the I thing watch. I like. Man. I watch for social justice. I want to learn how I can do that. Well, the National Football League is set to blast out some more social justice messaging for the 2021 season. Get ready for this. Yay! Yes, the league, according to the outlets, Michael McCarthy said they'll introduce more social justice messaging on fields and player helmets okay. during the upcoming season, following up on their initial efforts from 2020. Some of these methods will include on-field signage, decals on player helmets, and in-stadium PSAs. Mm. Okay, they are also going to consistently highlight Lift Every Voice and Sing, which is also referred to as the Black National Anthem, in key events such as the Super Bowl and the NFL kickoff game. They are still planning on singing the National Anthem, but they're going to have both songs this time. So, um, And they did feature it before the Super Bowl and the NFL draft. So... Mm -hmm. They have pledged $250 million in an effort to combat systemic racism over the next 10 years. Wow, so are you ready for more? I know you're oh, a big football fan, Stu. Are I you am. ready for more social justice messaging? I am not. Uh, I will say, if you watch, I mean, I watch all the sports. Um, the NFL is the least bad at this. I'm mean, mm -hmm. just shocking to think about because, I mean. Be, Sounds like they're trying to get worse, though. It does seem like they're trying to get worse. Um, you know, this this idea of messaging on uh, on the <laughs> On the fields and on the helmets is so stupid. I mean, basically, football. After the first week, they had lots of the stuff, and then after that, they just had end racism in the end zone. Which, you know, yeah, we probably absolutely we should end racism. I'm but that's how you do board. it. Um, you, yeah, but that's you put a that message in the end zone. Yeah, put it. Yeah, whatever. You know. Yeah, because that's how you do it. <laughs> it was once you pass, run past the end zone, you bump into racism yeah. and yeah. knock it over. Right. Um, uh, I mean, some of this is so silly. Like my favorite example of this was in the NBA in that season where they played in the bubble. They put, um, you know, slogans like Black Lives Matter where their names would normally be. And they chose like eight or nine different slogans you could pick from. And they just didn't think it out enough. So one of the slogans was how many more? How many more? Well, the problem with it, right under that was a number, their player number. So like, <laughs> how many more? Twelve. Well, why twelve more? Why do you want twelve more people to die? And only you had a low number if you were aware of how many more. Because yeah. you don't want how many more? Ninety-eight. Yeah, I know. It's be just terrible. Like, why do you want ninety-eight people to be died to be killed? I mean, just so total backfire. Stupid, right? It's so incredibly stupid. It's never convinced any person. Uh, to be less racist as if they needed to be if they if you are a racist in 2021 somebody's jersey is not convincing you to do the opposite i hate to tell wait you. about it. what what about if it says say their name <laughs> no. and you said their name yeah. then well, you wouldn't one be they racist had. anymore right that's another one they had it'd be like say their name and then under it alexander and it's like okay alexander am i saying your name why am i saying that name that is hilarious. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> it is that is absolutely true, by the way. Yeah. I remember watching one of the games, and I'm like, wait a minute. It just says, how many more 12? <laughs> like, that's just a terribly dark. Okay, like, he's cool with 11 more. <laughs> Guys, maybe 12, and that's it. Stop that after 13th, that. 13th, now I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> if there's a 13th murder out there, we're going to be very be upset. upset. Well, while we're talking sports, I want to talk about ESPN, because they are going to host a town hall to address accusations that it mistreats black employees. 
This was first reported by The Hollywood Reporter. So ESPN chairman Jimmy Pitaro emailed his staff about steps the company has made to improve the experiences of black employees at ESPN. Um, he said, I want to be clear on one thing. Maria Taylor was selected as NBA countdown host last year because she earned it. Please know our commitment is that assignments and opportunities at ESPN are based on merit and any concerns, remarks, or inferences that suggest otherwise have been and will continue to be addressed. Actually, though, ESPN's highest paid talent is Stephen A. Smith. He's black. He makes $12 million a year. In fact, the vast majority of ESPN analysts are black. Uh, seven of ESPN's most promoted personalities under 40 are black. And ESPN is offering Maria Taylor more than three times what they pay Laura Rutledge, whose resume is very similar to Maria's. So it begs the question, is this town hall actually necessary? Uh, I don't know, but I'm kind of glad ESPN is going through this. Couldn't happen <laughs> to a better company. I mean, they are so ridiculous with all this social justice messaging and their political correct bullcrap. And it, it's... It's an entertainment and sports network. Let's get back to that. Let's just mm -hmm. do that. So for them to have to go through all of this um, with the right amount of employees and what are they paying everybody? And as you said, their highest paid employee is black. I don't know. What do you do? You get rid of every white person on staff? I, that's Maybe that's the only thing that's going to make people happy now. Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, they famously were just complaining about how there was one white person on the, the Olympic team. They were yeah. saying that that was bad. You can't have one white person on the team. Uh, you know, look. On the, the basketball team, yeah. yeah. There's, and there's just no, lost to Nigeria, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Which is great. That's great. And Australia. No, there's no way to win for ESPN here because, look, you know, Stephen A. Smith, is, he was just saying something <laughs> he got in trouble for and had to apologize for for him being racist. It's this nonstop parade of people accusing each other, and it's become a joke. I mean, mm -hmm. I, again, who watches these shows anymore? Right. Just, we all need to wear t-shirts that say, white people, we're not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so when we come back, we're going to be talking about traumatized Kamala Harris staffers. They're terrified she's going to become president. I don't think they're alone. We'll be right back. Vice President Kamala Harris's former staffers, they are terrified that she might become president. <laughs> they have said they are very nervous as they're watching her ascend the national political stage. It, the staffers have said she made their former workplace toxic with a reactionary attitude that formatted a sense of paranoia in the office that you never knew when she was going to snap at you. This is according to the Free Beacon. One former staffer told Business Insider that she sometimes made staffers so stressed out they were making themselves sick. So it doesn't sound like her own staff likes her very much. Do you think America is going to be a little more accepting should she become our president? No, no, I don't. I, there's rumors that the Democrat Party is really in a bind right now because they, they see what's happening with Joe Biden. If they're honest, there is a certain segment of them that sees he's going to have to step down, but they hate Kamala Harris. Mm -hmm. So what they're trying to somehow manipulate is for Harris to be fired and to be replaced by somebody they like much the same way uh, Spiro Agnew was replaced with Gerald Ford before Nixon resigned. I don't know. It's a, it's a mess. It is a mess. Stu, I want to get your take on it, but instead I'm going to ask you what we can expect from your show oh, for the rest uh, of this week. Well, I'm giving um, you a, a free plug. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, we're going we're gonna to go into tonight the, uh, the uh, ex experiment that today, actually, we've started. 
which is an experiment in universal basic income that seemingly no one seems to be noticing. Starts today. Check your bank account. You probably got a check in there uh, today if you have kids. Uh, and all of a sudden, the government's just going to be sending us checks every month and doesn't seem to be being talked about by pretty much anybody, even right. on the conservative side. They're so doing think, minimum income without s- calling without it that. Without calling it that. And like they're, they are priming the pump here mm-hmm. to try to launch this a, a, into a real long-term strategy. So I'm hoping we could avoid that. And i got to yell about it tonight. Great <laughs> show. And Pat Gray Unleashed in the morning. Indeed, yes. All right. Thank you guys for being here. It's a great show. All right. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.